Hello, and welcome to Talk Me to Death. I am your host, Amanda, here with my co-host, Andrew. Hello. And today we are speaking with Krista Ovenel, Death's Apprentice. Hi. And we're going to talk a little bit about some end-of-life planning. So welcome, and thank you so much for being here. I am so pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a go, but we've finally gotten it organized, and I'm so glad that we did. So let's just jump right in. Would you please tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, kind of who you are and what you do? Absolutely. I came to this in a really classic midlife kind of way. There were no Miatas or fancy cars involved and probably not even an affair to tell the truth. But I definitely managed to throw everything out in my 40s. And I finally came to a point where I was willing to say that what I really wanted to be when I grew up was someone who worked in death and death care. And and I was really afraid to say that for mm -hmm. a long time because I used to be a really kind of big noise. <laughs> I used to have staff. I used to have a corner office. I used to have a big job in a in a big program. And I hated it. I would get up in the morning and look at myself in the mirror and go, or actually sometimes not look at myself in the mirror and go, oh, one more day of this. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I finally just realized that I had to make the change. And I had come from, uh, before the work that I hated, frankly, um, I had come through hospitality and I, I really felt a, a deep affinity for that. I loved serving and I loved being in a position of being able to help people experience things. And then I moved into education and education. I, I do actually still love. It was just that I was working frankly in corporate education and I had had enough. What, what people, what my company said they were doing and what was actually being done were not the same thing. And and I was part of that. And I didn't want to be part of that anymore. Mm -hmm. So I had been drawn and maybe even called into this, this work at end of life. But I was really afraid of what other people would think. And I think one of the people that I was most afraid of probably was my mom. And I have to say, when you're in your 40s and you're still kind of worried about what your mother is going to think. But in my defense, she's Ukrainian. And we, so... can't, we can't relate to that at all. <laughs> right? <laughs> Neither of us do anything based on our mothers. No. What are ever. You about? Ever. Yeah. Right? No. Yeah. And I'm sure nobody listening does. <laughs> but, no. but you know what? When I finally had the, the guts to tell her, and I, I said, you know, mom, I've quit this job that you've always told all your friends about and that you're always so proud of me for I've quit it and I am going to go back to school for two years and become an apprentice and be a funeral director when I grow up and she kind of sat back and she cocked her head and she looked at me and she said well dear I just can't think of anyone better in that position well, that's great Amazing. And yeah. I was just so blown away, right? And it, it was a little lesson for me. There's been so many lessons, but it was a little lesson in uh, sometimes your biggest fear isn't something you have to be afraid of at all. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I was just finally able to embrace it. It was lovely to have mom's blessing. And, uh, and I did. And 
And then the next thing I had to embrace was the title of apprentice. And that was tough. Like, again, somebody with a six high six figure salary and and staff and a, and all of the stuff that goes along with that and just being in charge. And then all of a sudden, literally washing cars and sweeping up. And mm-hmm. and my title was apprentice because that's what has to happen mm-hmm. here in BC to it to become a funeral director. You have to go through two years of school and two years of an apprenticeship program. And I was like, whoa. That was a humbling moment, a great moment. And then I finally got into it. And now my company is called Death's Apprentice. So now I'm never going to let that title go. That's great. You embraced it. I embraced it. It's the best title ever. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) So funeral director. Okay, that's a lovely sounding title. What, What does that mean? What is your work? What does that look like? Uh, it's pretty tough to say on a kind of any two days not looking the same <laughs> type thing. And I do have to say you don't get into this for the glamour or mm-hmm. the stable hours <laughs> or the high pay. But you do get into it for someone who wants to educate and for someone who wants to serve. And um, so my days often when I'm when I'm working, you know, exclusively as a funeral director or somebody who manages the body care as well, because I'm also uh, an embalmer, mm-hmm. I will often spend time sitting with families who are probably having the worst days of their life. And I'm managing, I'm helping them manage difficult decisions that need to be made at possibly the worst time for anyone mm-hmm. to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm doing work with the actual deceased, with people who are dead, that is very sacred and can be very quiet. It can be very uh, heavy work, Mm -hmm. very manual work. It can be quite difficult, can also be very busy, Mm -hmm. like during heat domes or during Mm -hmm. the second wave, for example, of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be very, very, very challenging. But it is incredibly rewarding. And this is work that we used to do as as community. We didn't used to have professionals like me doing this mm-hmm. work. And so I do my very best to hold that space to help families understand that, A, they could, if they wanted to, be doing this work. That's a big, it's a big stretch from where we are to mm-hmm. where, where I'm hoping we might get. Mm-hmm. But if folks aren't um, quite quite ready for that when they're having the worst day of their lives then at least what I can do as someone who is both licensed as a funeral director who can sit at the front of the house and a body care worker and embalmer who can work in the back of the house, at least I can hold that sort of sacredness mm-hmm. and and allow people to know with all their hearts that their beloveds are being taken care of in in a, in a sacred way, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, is is being both a funeral director and an embalmer a common occurrence or is that a, an unusual thing? Now, now I would say there's probably more and more folks that are choosing one or the other. Mm. And the easiest route might be to just become a funeral director. And with the big surge of uh, corporate um, funeral homes and whatnot, a lot of them might might really just be fine mm-hmm. because they're very decentralized. And so they can just be like, okay, well, we'll hire this person to do this very explicit and 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 distinct job, but we'll hire someone else to do this other job. I decided to do both mm-hmm. because it would be basically the same amount of time 
And I've always believed in the option that gives you more choice. Mm -hmm. And that option definitely gives me more choice. If I ever do move to a smaller town, I obviously, I don't work with large corporates anymore. And so I, I will probably be able to be of more service by having both of these licenses. Hey, would it... Would it be okay if I got off of my little soapbox about how embalming isn't always terrible? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're so, here to talk about <laughs> you're all. You're here about for, that? Yeah. Here's the thing is that I, I, do find, um, I do find that sometimes people have a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to embalming. And I get it. Like these are, and that, frankly, before I did this work, I had that too. These are pretty horrifying chemicals that are involved. Mm-hmm. And it is itself quite a um uh, invasive procedure right but i really don't think we should throw the bath water out the baby out with the bath water i think that there could be arguments and there are in fact many arguments for embalming being something that could even be described as necessary is it necessary all the time absolutely not should we just do it as a matter of course without giving people options? No. But is it bad all the time? No, it's really not bad all the time. And so here's some examples. Little tiny babies, infants, they and infants who die in utero, they are so high in their water content that they decompose extraordinarily rapidly. If we're allowed to use some chemicals to help offset that decomposition quickly, then one of the really cool things is, is that a mother or a family, parents, might be able to have one more time of holding their little mm-hmm. when they mm-hmm. otherwise couldn't. Mm. Um, or, or would otherwise be holding something that might be a little scary mm-hmm. yeah. as opposed to peaceful, right? Sometimes if someone has died in a really traumatic way, there could be reconstruction that might make it able for a family to have truly a peaceful mm-hmm. last view mm-hmm. of their beloved. It may be possible to do it without certain chemicals, but it's unlikely. Mm-hmm. And so there are so many reasons. Uh, delayed viewings, delay, uh, advanced decomposition. If a death has occurred in a place like where we are now, in a, in a hotel, mm-hmm. and somebody hasn't been discovered for a few days, there's work that we could do that could help restore to a place of um, kind of a peaceful viewing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And these are all reasons that we might want to just, especially those of us who are a little bit death positive, we might want to just back off a little bit on on our knee-jerk reaction to mm-hmm. embalming equals bad, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Now, as an embalmer, I actually kind of love the fact that I'm an embalmer because it's a great way to open a conversation. I mean, back <laughs> yeah. when we used to have parties, right? Um, but really, I probably do far more body care than I actually do embalming. Right. But it's still something I'm super comfortable with. And, yeah. I, mm. and, I'm, and I'm grateful that I have some very limited skills. I'm not, I'm not nearly as good as some of the people who are like really restoration artists Mm -hmm. or anything like that. But I do love that I understand the process and that I can offer things to families Mm -hmm. that, that could make things just that much better at the end. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like it's comparable to some other conversations that we've had in, in with other individuals where, where you're looking at, at a toolkit of options. It's not necessarily the right choice, the wrong choice. It's just a choice. Choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just one one other thing that we could put on the table. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm a huge advocate and proponent of green burial. Mm -hmm. You cannot be embalmed if you're going to have a true green burial. Okay, that's fine. And mm -hmm. I, I, you, you can hold both. Yeah. You know, yeah. there are two sides. No, that's one thing we've kind of learned or we're learning with life. There's, I mean, there's really no, there's the spectrum of things, you know, it's not really there's good or bad because I was interested. It was like, okay, I'd like to be convinced on this because I find myself sometimes, and this is just my personal choice because maybe not the way I'd want to go, but I, I appreciate you saying that. What are the good sides? Because that's something I haven't really looked at for myself. And I'm always like, yeah, I'm not an environmentalist per se, but I'm always that's one thing I've always like, oh, it mu it's bad. It must you know? be bad. So it must be bad because, yeah. yeah. you know, formaldehyde and whatever else. And I'm, I, I don't even know, you know, so that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm making my decision based on ignorance somewhat. And so that's why it's good. That's why we're doing this too. So to, have, to try and open that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I figured mm. it was safe to get my soapbox out here. <laughs> oh yeah. No, this is uh, definitely. <laughs> so now with that being your personal context, you know, um, a funeral director, embalmer, you know, person who who works with people, you know, in in that time frame, and and I imagine probably frequently under distress, duress, uh, crunch, uh, lack of knowledge, possible lack of preparation. <laughs> yes. um, the the angle I was thinking of going with this is is maybe a little bit more from the end of life planning aspect. Right. So. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about kind of what that entails and how it dovetails into the other work that you do um, and why it's important. Oh, yeah. Because I, so many people don't know anything of, you say, end of life planning and they go, hey. <laughs> well, and that might be part of it too, is that is that we say end of life planning and people like us, like, yeah, we've got a bit of gray hair in this room, but we're, we're pretty mm -hmm. confident that we're going to get through tomorrow and the mm -hmm. day after, right? Mm -hmm. We probably shouldn't be as confident as we are, <laughs> nope. but, we, but we are. And so I'm kind of on this mission to talk, to take out the end of from that little mm. phrase. Fair. Just call, and it just, say, just call it life planning. Yeah. And, and you know what? Life entails death mm -hmm. and life entails uncertainty and life entails things that may be very, very unexpected, like a sudden incapacitation, an illness or something else that, you know, literally strikes us down. And so we, that, that's a possibility, but what is an inevitability is death. Mm -hmm. Life entails death. And why not plan for it? Mm -hmm. So reason that we don't plan for it pretty much a little bit scary mm -hmm. yep. a little bit not part of what we do anymore yeah we have had death removed from our day-to-day -day. it's so medicalized it yeah. is so medicalized it is so um hidden mm -hmm. um i actually literally know nurses palliative nurses even who do not know where the morgue is in their hospital i mean mm. they know that it's down on the first floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's not their job to get the body there. I mm. work with so many nurses who won't go to the morgue. They're yeah. like, ew, it's mm. scary. It's yucky. And yeah. I'm like, this is half of our job. This, not half, mm. but, but you it's know. a yeah. part of our job, right? And so even in situations where you would think that people would be kind of okay to know about it and talk about it, not so much. Mm. So let's just take the end of out of it. Mm -hmm. And, and let's just talk about life planning. Mm -hmm. We spend more time planning what phone we are going to purchase next than we do thinking mm -hmm. about the inevitable that one day 
uh, three out of three of us in this room are going to die. And so, uh, you know, whether I am not a big fan of things like the good death and, and stuff around that kind of hierarchical tree. But what I am excited about is the thought that, frankly, we are going to die. And so let's just walk, let's walk us through this, mm-hmm. right? If we're going to die, we don't necessarily have to plan for it. I'm a big advocate of that. I am a huge advocate of planning for what happens after you die. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, what happens after you die, it doesn't matter to you anymore, but it does matter to the beloved mm-hmm. around you. And unless there was a mass casualty event, there will be people left behind. And those people need to have some kind of instruction. They need to have some sense. If all you've done all your life, if like, uh, you know, dad is always like, oh, just donate my body to science and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, or throw me off the side of the boat. Well, okay, look, mm-hmm. look, burial at sea, not a thing. Not <laughs> a thing we can do in Canada. It's virtually not impossible. Not a thing you can legally do in not Canada. A thing we can- <laughs> so. Not a thing we can legally do. We won't do. talk about what we're doing tomorrow, but anyway. <laughs> Definitely, so, no yeah, more fairy yeah, trips yeah, for you right. guys. Um, but... You know, I mean, it technically can be done if you were a naval officer and if you get certain permissions and it's like, Mm -hmm. I've literally never heard of it being done successfully. And it certainly would be something you would need to plan for. Mm -hmm. The the whole, the whole just, just, just whatever, just Mm -hmm. box me, just burn me, just put me, those things, technically, some of them may be legal. Some of them are downright not legal either. But you know what they don't account for is they don't account for the beloved that you're saying it to mm-hmm. the person that you're saying it to probably deserves a minute, mm-hmm. probably deserves a hot minute with your cooling body to take their time and say their goodbyes. Yeah. And because we have removed it so quickly and so easily from, from our day to day, like even, even right down to the language that we use, we don't, we don't even have, parlors in our homes anymore we have living rooms Mm -hmm. you know parlors used to be where we laid out our dead Mm -hmm. and in like the 30s that didn't seem to be quite as cool anymore and funeral Mm. directors like me had started to step in and they had started to get all excited about how they could take this out of the home and, and I'll be honest, there's some good reason to do it. It's heavy work. It's hard work. Mm-hmm. Refrigeration is easier in bigger spaces. Um, there's a lot There's a lot that you might want to remove from your home, but you don't have to remove all of it. Mm. Is that? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny that the, uh, the simple answer of just throw me off the side of the boat or put me in the woods with the wolves, that's actually more complex than they you <laughs> well, know. And that's the thing is, is it doesn't account it doesn't give the people you leave behind any grace for how that actually happens yeah. i mean it's one thing to make no. the statement but there are mechanics there are logistics behind that yeah. we go, I, I know i go boat camping all the time it's impossible just to get my gear out i can't imagine a body <laughs> so it's just <laughs> so. yeah it would be it would be a challenge mm-hmm. and the one the one that i love is actually the donate my body to science in mm-hmm. british columbia here there is one um, place that you can donate to science mm-hmm. and that's at the at U- University of British Columbia they're not accepting bodies they haven't been accepting bodies for years and COVID mm-hmm. really really locked that down mm-hmm. 
However, if you're able to turn that, hey, dad, you always say, just donate my body to science. You know what? Truth of the matter is, dad, we're not going to be able to do that. But have you ever thought about organ donation? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you signed up for this, dad? Hey, that that opens something else up for me. Mom is probably going to need a minute. So could we just have a little chat? Would you be cool if we had like, I don't know, a little party and a bunch of Jameson and and this or, you know, would would you be okay if we X, Y, Z? Now, I'm not saying it's easy. These are difficult conversations to have. And mm -hmm. certainly with people of a certain generation, it can be it can be quite difficult to to wedge that door open. But it's so unbelievably important. Mm. It is it is one of only two things that we will all do. We can all be guaranteed to have been born one way or the other, and we will all be guaranteed to die. Some of us don't even pay taxes, you know? Mm -hmm. So really, there are only two things that we are all going to do. So let's just find a little bit of bravery mm -hmm. and a little bit of honesty and just get it done. I mean, and, and the thing is, this is the whole point of this podcast is the reason those conversations are difficult is because we pretend death doesn't happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And we, we, as very broad strokes here, you know, as a general rule, seek to preserve quantity of life at mm -hmm. all costs mm -hmm. because death is not a thing. It is not permissible. Uh, so if we, yeah, if we start having those conversations and eventually it's going to creep into the collective consciousness and it will not be so scary. And again, similar to other conversations we've had related to death on different topics than this, it's it's an empowerment thing. It's, it it's taking your personal power back. It's also giving power to those people that you are leaving behind, you know, be, because they're not going to be flailing blindly in, in, a, in a lost mass of grief. They'll have some sense of direction, some sense of what is wanted and needed and was desired by the person that they've lost, which is huge and mm -hmm. and healing and huge and healing and i and i can genuinely say that that folks who often default to oh don't make a fuss mm -hmm. or i just want whatever's the cheapest mm -hmm. or uh, again mm -hmm. ukrainian mama right mm -hmm. <laughs> or um ugh, it just it just doesn't matter to me what I what I would just invite would be a little conversation about, but it does matter to me, mom mm -hmm. or auntie mm -hmm. or sister or father or uncle. It does matter to me. And mm -hmm. so could we actually just unpack that a bit? Because I'd like I'd like to mourn. I'd like to be able to celebrate you. I'd like to be able to mourn you. I would like to be able to give you the send off that I've always thought was fitting. Is that okay? You're going to be dead anyway, mm -hmm. right? That's actually sometimes a good way in. You're going to be dead anyway. So can I go ahead and do this? But for people who have heard over and over and over, I don't want anything. They can actually have enormous guilt and enormous difficulty when it comes time to um, really making those final arrangements. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... But you know what? It's not just the death and after death. It's also the uh, sudden incapacitation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And and it's about making sure that you have things in place so that people can speak for you. Mm -hmm. This is very simple, really, to do in British Columbia. We're super lucky. We have things called representation agreements here, mm -hmm. and that can act uh, as as a as a medical right of representation, what that means is that someone can speak for you mm -hmm. yeah. about your medical decisions when you cannot. 
And I think that uh, one thing that, that I bring to the table as both an end-of-life educator and a funeral director, so someone who works in the before space and the after space, is I can help people understand that there are things we need to do legally and financially. There are things we need to understand medically and philosophically. There are decisions around disposition. And then what I've always called the most important paperwork, the the non-financial legacy, the true heart legacy work, those are all the elements of mm-hmm. what it truly means to have your affairs in order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you could, could you just sort of run through just briefly those different elements? Like if I were to come to you and say, I have no idea what I'm doing. Sure. What do I? What questions do I need to ask myself? What do I need to consider? What paperwork do I need? Mm-hmm. What would you tell me? I'd say we're going to take about four hours, and you're going to have homework. Mm-hmm. Truly, that's mm-hmm. that's actually that's, that's fair. what it's going to take, and it's probably going to be close to twelve. That's what my clients tell me. Once you're once we're done, mm-hmm. we've probably spent about twelve hours on this. But twelve hours over a month, and with the package with with what you're left with at the end of such certainty, can be pretty great. In the medical, uh, sorry, in the in the legal and financial piece, you need to understand that you will need to have certain paperwork in order, both while you are alive and after your death. While you're alive, you need a representation agreement. In BC, we're, we're leaders in the country on this. A rep agreement, Section 9, will allow uh, someone that you appoint to make decisions for you, including life-extending or life-limiting decisions. Um, this is super important because we do have what's called temporary substitute decision makers in British Columbia, but those go in a very strict order. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want the mm-hmm. person who would be at the top of that list to be making those decisions for you, you better have a representation mm-hmm. agreement. Mm-hmm. It's free, actually. It, mm-hmm. This is where this is where the leadership piece comes in. It's a super easy bit, bit, bit of paperwork to take care of. The other thing you would probably want to consider would be an enduring power of attorney. This is something that will um, uh, go into effect if you ever lose capacity. Now, it's different from a power of attorney, which gets really, you know, kind of confusing. A power of attorney actually is only something that is granted when you still have capacity. Mm. And so that can be a little challenging there. It's kind of fallen out of favor. Mm -hmm. They're not as popular. An enduring power of attorney, however, because it is something that is in effect from the time that you write it until you lose capacity and then the implications afterwards, obviously you have to have someone that you really, really trust in Mm -hmm. that role. And then the last thing, or really when I'm thinking about it, the first thing that you want to get done is your will. Mm. And a lot of people say, why would I want to do like why i I don't really have much or that's the most common one or well that's okay i'm just gonna leave everything to my wife you know that's another really common one oh it's okay it's all it's all it's okay because she's gonna get it anyway it's just not that simple and you can get a will on uh like an online platform for example like legalwills.ca for i don't know 30 bucks and and it's you can you can literally in Canada, you can write one on a on a napkin. You can etch it into the back of a tractor. Yeah, that's case with, law. Right? I remember that, that one. Is yeah. literally case law. You can etch it into mm-hmm. a tractor while you're dying, and it will stand up as mm-hmm. a will. There is no excuse not to have a will. But the, the downside of not having a will is that it will cost you at minimum $5,000 and take you at minimum 12 weeks mm-hmm. to appoint what's called an administrator of the estate. And um, 
if the whole reason you didn't get a will was because you didn't have much of an estate in the first place, that seems like a pretty stupid way to spend mm-hmm. 5,000 bucks that you didn't have, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But it can impact everything right down to your ability to even be cremated or mm-hmm. be buried, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I've watched um, it happen. And I've watched it happen uh, so many times. And it's heartbreaking. Um, and the kinds of fights. And I mean, God, God forbid you do have a complicated estate. Get a will. So those are the, that's the legal and financial. I should take a breath. <laughs> I know it's a lot, right? I told you four hours, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like it absolutely. usually takes us like four hours to get through this stuff. Then with the medical and philosophical pieces, the reason that I, I phrase it that way is that we have some very simple, if you will, decisions to make like, <laughs> do, do, do I want the plug pulled? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, w- would I accept resuscitation? Mm-hmm. Will I accept intubation? Will I accept these kinds of decisions, right? Very kind of cut and dried medical decisions. If you don't have a real sound grasp of your own values and your own sense of what brings you joy and what brings meaning to your life and whatnot, these are actually harder questions to answer than Mm -hmm. you might think. So when I go through this with people, I try and help them understand that their values and their beliefs will, in fact, inform what they will accept or not accept. Mm -hmm. And then we have to do all this super touchy-feely work to get us down to a point of being able to say very, very clearly, I have considered this. I am X years old. I am in this current state of health. And here is a detailed list of what I will accept and what I will not accept. One of the most beautiful things about that element of advanced care planning is the actual, the medical piece is designed to be reviewed. It's designed to be reviewed every five years, every 10 years, every zero birthday, every big milestone. Just go in, review it, make sure it still sits. Mm-hmm. I know people all the time, 30s, 40s, young children, they would choose any level of intervention and have all life extending measures Mm -hmm. and five ten years later 15 years later none right and Mm -hmm. there's nothing to it it's no leap you don't have to open anything up you don't have to go get a lawyer you don't have to pay some guy on house street like it's just it's your decision Mm -hmm. it's super easy once you know how to do it Mm -hmm. right and then the the funeral and disposition already had a big rant about that but uh, but again if people say i just want something simple well let's actually just talk about what simple means mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you know it, simple in bc could, could mean a lot of different things and mm-hmm. so let's just let's just walk through and what i like to do with clients that i work with is i put them through what would be called an arrangement mm-hmm. uh, a funeral arrangement but I put them through it in a state where they're just like happy and we're having tea together Mm -hmm. and there's nothing on the line and I'm not selling them anything. They don't have to pre-purchase anything. They, they can if they wish, but what's the, the important outcome is that they can actually get it all written down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is they're, they're dealing with the questions that will be asked. Sometimes they're so shocked. Like, why are you asking me if I would want to allow fingerprints to be taken Mm -hmm. of my beloved? Well, I got to tell you, Pretty much every funeral director in BC is going to say, should we take fingerprints? And that's really because there's a third party service that will take that fingerprint and turn it into jewelry or like lovely little mementos or whatnot. Mm -hmm. If you don't ask and you don't take it and then they come back later and say, but didn't you take fingerprints? Mm. Oh, imagine the sadness, especially after cremation. Mm -hmm. Burial, technically speaking, you could probably get them up and go do it, you know, if if too much time hadn't gone by. But... No, 
cremation done. Yep. Your options are over. And so these are these are questions and decisions that need to be made while you're rational, mm-hmm. right? So we would do that together, and we would go through everything, like all the way to what will you would your ash? Oh, sorry, would your ashes be separated? Um, would they? Would you like a plaque? Would you like a? a uh, would you like any sort of memorialization? And if the answer to all of those things are like no, well, then what are you going to do with those mm. remains? Because if you're yeah. going to put them in that closet over there, you're really just leaving them for your niece or your right. kid mm-hmm. or whatever. And so just like, let's get a plan in place, mm-hmm. shall we? And then the very most important piece for me is literally what I call the most important paperwork, the heart will, the, the legacy, the true legacy work. When, when, when we work through some of these things, we can actually help ourselves align what matters in the end to help us understand what matters right now. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that definitively, then you can actually get up every morning and say, am I living the life that will leave the legacy that I want to live? would have saved me a few years while I was hating <laughs> that that corporate job that I had yep. you know I would have been able to say I'm not and I don't care what mom's gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna get out now because what I'm doing is not aligned with my true mm-hmm. values mm. and so we'll do that work together too for me that's the answer to what truly holistic advanced care planning looks like some folks will take will be experts at one of those pieces there's, you know, you could walk into any cemetery right now and go and pre pre buy your 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 cemetery pod, and mm-hmm. maybe they'd have a funeral home attached, and you could get that done and stuff too. Um, and there are terrific, amazing advanced care planners out there who focus on the the medical and philosophical pieces. But I, I don't think there's a ton of folks that are really wrapping it all together. Right. And mm-hmm. I just this is what I this is my goal is to just have us all understand that it's not just one piece. Right. It's all wrapped up. We need to, um, I was just thinking, you know, it's, this stuff is all valuable, of course, as, like you say, as a package. It's almost like we need to have like a, uh, like a death day, mm. you know, it's like a holiday where you can make it kind of like get together with family and be like, hey, let's have a party about, and talk about, about death. And, you know, then, and even if you just got, you know, as a grassroots thing, just started it as a kind of a fun thing, because really that's part of what like we always say too is that we're you know part of this kind of death conversation is yes to actually live it's yeah. not about it's we're not trying to actually scare people and exactly. it's just all about because that's we've had other guests that are like oh it's amazing when people have things figured out how much of a relief it is to them especially if they're terminal or mm-hmm. you know it's it's one of those things but but yeah i don't know but that's especially something I when thought. they're not terminal mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially yes. yeah. when they're just like, "Oh, wow! Well, this is all, it's mm-hmm. all wrapped up," you know. And they're they're just like, I I think I think I mentioned to you that I was like pathologically practical. I do. <laughs> I I fall on that side of the equation, mm-hmm. and I think that there are a lot of folks in this space who are a lot more intimately connected to crystals and to mm-hmm. you know things that are like very beautiful and and ephemeral and whatnot. But I'm not. I am like this is practical Mm -hmm. and this is about values aligned life Mm -hmm. it has so little to do with death but it has so much to do with living every day Mm -hmm. a way that will make you okay to lay your head down at night and Mm -hmm. go well hopefully i wake up tomorrow right 
And that's, you know, that's been the fast. We're really only a handful of, of episodes into this project. And already the recurrent theme that comes up again and again and again is, okay, we're squeamish and we're trying to reduce the squeamishness around talking about death. But talking about death, dealing with death, empowering yourself around death, coming to terms with it, planning for it, accepting it, it again and again and again, every person we've talked to, it comes back around to it gives you a good life. Yeah. It takes the pressure off. Mm -hmm. it, it settles things down. It gives you focus. It gives you appreciation. It helps you be in the moment over and over and over again. Every every aspect that we looked at so far, and I feel like that's going to be a consistent theme across the board Always. no matter where yeah. we go. I totally agree. It, it's really, death is not actually about death. It's about life. And and because it is life. Mm -hmm. And and in, even in this short time that we've been together, like we're closer in mm -hmm. in this in this few minutes that we've spent together our hearts are all a little closer mm -hmm. because we were bold enough to have this conversation so, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say that when you have me back, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would actually love to talk about some of the practicalities of um, what happens when you die. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because yes, I, people have no idea. People have no idea. Mm -hmm. and, and then that's a huge part of the problem. Like I'm talking right down to the forms and to who does what, where the bodies go, what are the differences between a hospital death a home death, a death in a care home, a coroner death. These are things that if people understood. Yeah. And this is something that is, you know, there will be jurisdictional differences, obviously, sure. but they won't be that great. Mm -hmm. they, no, we're, they, you know, they won't. A, a home death, you don't have refrigeration at home. No. And so certain decisions need to be made within a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. Hospital sure. death. I actually served a family really recently. And this just broke my heart. This busy administrator just gave the wrong information to this to this family, this person who had just lost her partner. And the, the question was, can I bring him home? And the administrator, who had just simply never heard of something like that, said no. And mm. she just took it as gospel. Mm. And the answer is actually absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you can. And a forward-thinking funeral director a modern funeral director will be able to do that now you could also do that mm -hmm. it might be a little bit easier if you had a funeral director sure. but but I, there are also funeral directors who will guide you through the steps that you need to take to do it all by yourself mm -hmm. but you might like our equipment and and some of this you know just the vans and the stuff that we have way better than weekend at bernie's it's way yeah, so. better than weekend yeah. at bernie's right yeah so I know, I know, I know I'm getting ahead of it. I'm inviting no, myself no, no. back already. No, we, well, that's, that's what we're, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean that's, we're all about, we, we want to do education. Actually, one of the future guests we're having is someone that's from the hospital point of view, what happens in the hospital from, with a, with someone that uh, passes away or dies. And so the specifics of different avenues of where yeah. that goes is great. And those are the ones we're going to put behind the paywall. I mean, no, I'm kidding. Oh, for but, sure. But, uh, no, but yeah, and that's, yeah, that's the idea. But that really so is the thing because, you know, again, you know, I work in healthcare and someone might say something like that to, to, uh, you know, a family member of, of a person who's just died. And the reality is, is that frankly, the vast majority of people that I've ever worked with in healthcare, including myself, uh, for the longest time and, and in many respects still, we actually have no idea. Yeah. 
what happens. So if we're giving mm-hmm. advice, unless we've experienced it directly, you know, usually through a friend or a family member of our own being ill and or dying, mm. we truly have no clue. We are we're guessing or we're googling as we go. Yeah. Or we're just way too busy to do either of those things. Exactly. And and so, and so it's it's no. not it's certainly yeah. not malicious or intentional, yeah. but we just we have no idea. <laughs> And you know, what you said about unless we've experienced it ourselves, I think that is so key. People are, you know, more willing, like I said, like they will spend more time looking up at what kind of phone to buy. Mm -hmm. They are likely happier to schedule an advanced root canal than they are to schedule the time to have that death day, like, Mm -hmm. like what we talked about. And yet when folks have a an experience that is often not good um, because an unexpected death has occurred, a sudden or traumatic death has occurred, or even a relatively expected death has occurred, but it's occurred in a place that wasn't expected or in a way that wasn't expected or whatnot. Well, you know what? They're all of a sudden thrown into kind of a hellscape, Mm -hmm. frankly, and they don't have any idea how to navigate it. They walk into their local funeral home, which may or may not be corporately owned, you know, reporting mm-hmm. to shareholders and, and they just kind of walk up. And I, I heard, a, I heard a guy once say that if you bought a car the way you bought a funeral, you would literally walk into the Honda yeah. shop and you would just go to the closest person. You'd like tap them yeah. and say, hi, I need a car. How, which one do I need and how much is it going to cost me? Yes. Yeah. And that's what we do with yep. funerals, right? So then, not surprisingly, funeral directors, like, you'll probably get hate mail after this one, I tell you, because people have things to say <laughs> about people like me. And I've already talked about embalming. So, they, trust me, you're going to get the mail. That's okay. <laughs> Bring it, right? I, well, I'm, I'm the co-host on here to be the, the guy that they... I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the foil that people get mad at. There so, you go. Yeah, okay, so don't good. worry. Oh, phew, yeah. thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? If if folks haven't had the experience themselves, they are unlikely to embrace it. And this is what I want to change. And this is why I'm so grateful to you and to this wonderful setup that you've got. Because this every conversation that we have about this exact topic is a conversation that will help just put one more brick in front of us and mm-hmm. just kind of build the path. Well, you've got some amazing like similes too and, and metaphors for that too because it's it's funny the phone thing i was thinking oh yeah the phone that's right we pick up these phones but also i mean the phone is a really good it's it's a really good metaphor too because we also try to keep our phones alive <laughs> you know we're constant. i have a charging pack in my like carrying bag mm-hmm. with an extra thing because i'm like but my phone really never dies mm-hmm. on me but i'm 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 prepared so for that you've got every you've got, got everything case. prepared you've got I've, got a case. I've, got, I've got i've got an extra car, card in my uh or sorry an extra uh charging cord in my car you know, so it is. The well, phone is a good through. one, and the, the the car analogy too. If you yeah, that's funeral, a great. I, like that I, one. I really like that one too because that's. I used to work with cars, and I was okay. in not in sales, but I was in service, and yeah, people are not. It's not an impulse item. No, and it's uh, and, and but but by virtue of not planning, funerals have to be. They have to be. Yes. Well, and then and then they're so, playing on you. Yeah. Well, I was just saying, and nobody I mean, has coupons at the ready. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, my grandparents. So mm-hmm. my grandfather died a little while ago now, not super long ago, but my grandparents, hands down, the most organized people I have ever met in my life. You know, um, they, they, you know, managed their money to the nth degree. My grandfather was able to retire when he was like 40 years old. 
you know, they traveled the world. They always, you know, they knew the details of like how to get in and out of countries, passports, visas, uh, insurance, healthcare, all of that stuff. They they were, you know, very on top of their own healthcare, uh, you know, their uh, overall estate planning, wills, all of that. My grandfather died. Yeah. My gra- My grandmother had no clue what the next step was. And thankfully, as it happened, I, I was actually there when he passed away and was able to then stay and, and sort of help. Even I was pretty clueless, but I knew at least enough yeah. to get us through. And we were able to, to set up a, a service and she chose to have him cremated. But even, even watching that process, you know, she changed her mind probably a dozen times over the course of, of that relatively short uh, and overall pretty painless process because there had been no previous conversations and no no forethought and no other than, okay, we have a will. There really was nothing else in place. It's so important what you just said there. Like the, I know people who are resistant to planning because they think they have planned. They're like, oh no, no, that's fine. My grandpa has bought his funeral. Okay. But hearken back to the conversation that we just had a few minutes ago about the four steps that need Mm -hmm. to be taken, Mm -hmm. right? Great. He's bought his funeral. Most people think, most people who have, in fact, prepaid for a, a funeral service, they don't know what they've actually prepaid for. And <laughs> no. and they may have actually just bought a tombstone. I've actually literally seen that mm. where people have literally just bought a plot, but they thought they have actually also dealt with all of the other pieces, the mm-hmm. picking up of the body, the mm-hmm. the professional services, the documentation. I mean, they hadn't, mm-hmm. right? So, the, but let's just say by some miracle they had. Okay, great. Or sometimes people say, well, I've got my will. Okay, that's good. Yay. That puts you like there's 40% of Canadians who have a will. And of that, probably about 4% who have an up-to-date will. Right. And right. And I mean, we all, all of our faces just kind of went because eh, we're all a little Mine's bit totally guilty, right? I, I was going to say, I don't have one. So I'm like, wow, I'm part of the. We're working on that. I'm not leaving I'm, I'm until. Part of... <laughs> I, I almost said I don't have anything. But, uh, no, that doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. Right. I, there's a dog right beside you that exactly. you're petting. So I and guess I got to find someone. That yeah. you do. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's such a huge thing. I mean, mm. you could let me have that. Yes, <laughs> you could. But no, people people will sometimes say like, "Oh, I'm I'm all I'm I'm sorted, I'm done," and they're like, "No, you're not." Mm-hmm. Like, just no, you're not. No, I do applaud them for whatever steps they have. Absolutely, taken. I think that's great. But um, there's sort of two camps, three camps really: people who will, won't think about it, people who think they've done what they need to do, and then and then people who not only won't think about it because there's kind of like a benign not thinking about it. Yeah, and then there's just like a like a actually kind of pathologically controlling this belief maybe that if I don't acknowledge mm-hmm. it, it won't happen. Exactly. And like, I can speak as a man. That's true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So. <laughs> <laughs> and God bless the boomers, but a lot of them are there. Mm-hmm. They have been used to being in charge of everything. Again, you're going to get hate mail, but that's okay. They, they've been in charge and they can, can kind of control everything. They can't control this. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing is that you can, you actually can. Yeah. And it goes back to our earlier point that it can be so empowering mm-hmm. if, if you're, if you're willing to do the work, you know, trends. Can I just tell you one yes. exciting thing? I was thing? actually going to ask about that. Were you going to ask about yeah. that? Okay. I just, I had the most amazing thing as a funeral director. I am that person. If there is like a mushroom suit, don't even get me started. Or <laughs> if there is, if there is a meme going around about cremation or something like that, I have like 47 friends who will send it to me and they will be sure that they are the first person who That's has funny. ever sent that to me. 
the trend right now, and I'm so excited about Desmond this. Tutu. Desmond Tutu. I know. I so saw that. I have had a thousand people send me this thing saying Desmond Tutu has used opted to use what's called alkaline hydrolysis to uh, to, to control the disposition of his body. Some people call this water based cremation or aquamation, mm-hmm. and there's um, it, it is an absolutely beautiful and incredibly environmentally sound way. It's mm-hmm. being to, to, to dispose of our mm-hmm. human remains. It's very similar to cremation, but mm-hmm. it uses a water uh, base instead of a flame base. And then what you're left with is scatterable, just like cremated remains are scatterable. Aquamated remains are very similar. They're just a bit softer and a tiny bit lighter. It is 95% less damaging to the environment. Mm. And when you think of the n- number of people in British Columbia who choose cremation, it's between 80 and 94%, mm. right? And so we're not going to change folks' mind. Like we do, thankfully, thankfully, we have an option with green burial. But if we weren't going to choose burial in the first place, it is unlikely that we will choose green burial. Mm. If we were going to choose burial, it would be quite an easy conversation to say, have you considered green burial? But if we weren't, it, we pro- it's just not part of our mindset. Yeah. In 22, I think, states and four, three provinces and one territory, aquamation is already legal. Mm-hmm. The mm. science has already been tested and proven. There is nothing big that needs to happen. There are three acts that govern the remains in, 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 and death and dying mm-hmm. in British Columbia. And one of them is the Cremation Interment Funeral Services Act. Changing an act is wildly expensive. Mm. It requires an all-party committee. It requires reading four times on the le- on the floor of the legislative mm. assembly. It is going to make the lawyers rich. However, we don't have to do that. One line, a change of one line in the regulations, which doesn't require anything of what I just spoke of. Mm-hmm. One line, that's all we need. And that's what Saskatchewan did. Mm. And we can do this. We just, we need enough people to listen to this part of the podcast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and be like, dudes, we, we got this. 95% less environmentally damaging and 90% of us choose cremation anyway. It is a no brainer. Is there someone spearheading that in BC? We actually, we just, signed her. Are, oh, that, <laughs> we, we signed her petition already. <laughs> so, so there's, we did, did yeah, we? We okay. did, we did. Um, there's a wonderful grassroots Maybe organization. Maybe I do have a will. <laughs> that I'm lucky enough to have recently become part of. Um, there are some wonderful uh, like independent funeral homes and, and funeral directors in Bank- Victoria and here in Vancouver that are spearheading this. I'm uh, on on this as well and uh, really trying to use like any platform mm-hmm. I can to... We'll definitely put, we'll put the petition link up as put part the of petition this. Link yeah. Up. Yeah, and you know sure. what, if anyone hears this part and goes, I know somebody who could help with that, just bring it hello at deathsoprentis.ca. I just I need to know who you know because we we have to get this done. It's it's imperative. Okay. Well, I think we're getting close to to a wrap up based on on the time that you have available. One one comment I was you had mentioned about coming back. I was thinking you know, it would be really fun is we're going to do an episode probably in the next month or so I imagine we'll record it where us and uh, two people that are very close to us, we're all going to take some time and plan our own funerals and then do an episode about it. So maybe mm. you can you can critique our funerals and tell us what we can and can't do after yeah. we plan them. That's so great. 
great. I I would love that. I could that would be fun. That I think would be, that'd be interesting. super fun. <laughs> and just some of the logistics, right? Yeah, exactly. Because if you if you uh, one of my refrains is sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Totally. And so absolutely, if we can just like be like, well, that's a great idea. But it's like all those folks. Oh, just donate my body to science. They yeah. think they're making it yeah. easier on their kids they're not because it actually mm-hmm. can't happen no right? yeah no well and even even amanda told me she said do you know that for cremation to exist there's a furnace running all the time all the time and i, I didn't even think about that because mm-hmm. i thought oh yeah you just you know fire up the no whatever but and and, and the fact that that's always going yes natural gas is abundant in uh can't, it's abundant in BC, but, but, but it that is doesn't also mean it's abundantly uh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, we're also running that all the time. And that's what, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's just one of those things. There's a lot of us, where, right? Yeah. Like, like in, in the last year or so, I think we had 30-something thousand people died. And, and we are about to see the beginning of an enormous spike mm-hmm. as the boomers start mm-hmm. with their last act. And God bless them, but there's a bunch of them. Uh-huh. And so that number is going to go just like it has for every other thing that they've moved through. Mm-hmm. It is going to be that perfect bell curve. Yeah. And we are going to see the beginning of a climb that is almost unimaginable. Uh, unimaginable. We are going to, you know what else we're going to need to talk about? We're going to need to talk about home funerals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to need to talk about how bodies and where bodies are transported and stored. We, there are so many things that this is this small little blip, this 20 years of a demographic disaster (laughs) is is going to cause and then let's not even factor in climate change and heat domes and Mm -hmm. and poison drugs right yeah because all of that that'll make things different too let's end on a much happier note then could we we at least say something nice krista no no i mean i don't think any of that is actually negative i I just think it's again it's just part of the conversation it's It's inevitability it's points points that we need to be aware of i think it's actually Mm -hmm. more negative for us not to mention these sorts of things because then we're going to be blindsided by it and be like oh my god now what do we do Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so as far as the wrap-up goes, now you did mention that you're not a big fan of um, the hierarchy of death and the idea of the good Mm. death. However, Mm -hmm. our tradition thus far has been that at the end of the podcast, we do ask people if they would maybe speak a little bit to what their concept of a good death might be. Are you willing to do that? (laughs) Sure. I think I would probably want to preface it by saying part of my resistance to the idea of a good death is wrapped up in the idea of a good birth. Mm. And I think that a lot of uh, people, women, were impacted really negatively by this idea of a good birth mm-hmm. being a vaginal birth with no drugs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if you had a C-section or or if you had, or if you took the epidural or something like this, yep. you know, that you were somehow failing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. And I think that's part of my resistance to Fair the enough. idea of a good death. I think there's a real, you know, tendency to to fetishize yeah. um, any major event. Yeah. So my my response to that would be that I'm not necessarily looking for, you know, the practicalities of what the best possible way to die is, as much as um, I think maybe a personal philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. What does it mean to it. you, sort of thing? Again, yeah. I think a good death would be a prepared death. And I think that we can. What a shocking answer. (laughs) Whether we're 8 or 18 or 88, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think if we change the way that we 
think and and move through this society of ours, we could actually all be prepared for that inevitability and then it would be good. Would it be sad? Would it be terrible? Would it be would it be awful to have an unexpected and 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 um and traumatic death of a child or something like that? Yes, of course it would be. That can't really be good. But if we were societally more adept at understanding that all of those things are not just possibilities but inevitabilities, I think that death would just be good. It would be okay. It would be something we could write a love letter to. It would be something that we could just invite into our hotel rooms. It could we could invite to our dinner tables. We could just be okay with Yeah, that's great. So as far as plugs go, we'll definitely pop up the link for the Aquamation um, petition. Where can people find you? Mm -hmm. Uh, www.deathsapprentice.ca. And um, there's a media page there as well that has some recent broadcasts that I've been on with CBC because I've got a column now there. Mm -hmm. And they're they're nice. They're short. Mm, Nice. And so if if you went there finding once you're there on the on the website if you would sign up for the newsletter it's just once a month but Mm -hmm. it'll help with things like when we really get ramped up for Mm -hmm. the aquamation push and things like that Mm -hmm. power in numbers my friends Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no we'll definitely and and for sure like uh, you're so we appreciate all the information and we'd definitely love to have you back for sure because that's uh I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions. That, that, oh, uh, and I'm I'm happy so. to do a to do <laughs> yeah. a phone in even you know that's the, great. The what happens when you die phone in. That would... <laughs> well, we, we might we might pipe you into our uh, our party that we have with the four people or with our Heck the yeah. two other people. So we could be like, <laughs> we'll ask Death's Apprentice. We don't really have the answers. Please so, do. Yeah. <laughs> Please Perfect. do. Thank you. This was a, this is a real honor. Thank yes. you. Yes. Oh, Thank you so for much for meeting coming, with yeah. us. This is fantastic. It was great. Awesome. Mm-hmm.